Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to another episode of Ramble Ramble. I am your host, Corbin Ford. Follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. This is Sports Ethos Presentation. So check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. A lot of good stuff there to check out for sure. Today, y'all, I'm excited. We are going to have our first crack at the 2024 NBA draft. And listen, there are a few others better here. In fact, I can't think of any than my good friend, SBC alum, basketball scout, all around just good person, Stevie Cousins. Um, right. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Stevie Cousins altogether, S-T-E-V-I-E-C-O-Z-E-N-S. I'll put it out there in the in the description. But Stevie, my friend, how are you doing? Dude, I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Um, yeah, I have my own pod uh, for about 18 months or two years. And just, you know, you know the grind of that. Um, and it's been a minute since I've been on someone else's pod. And obviously, you know, you and I have been chatting, um, you know, for a few years now. So I'm excited to jump on your pod and, um, yeah, just talk some basketball, talk about the the upcoming NBA draft. Um, yeah, I appreciate your time, man. Oh, pleasure is all mine. I thank you for sure. Like, this is a blast. Um, but before, I mean, getting started, I mean, it's always been a mess. We've talked on the show, um, but a lot's happened with you and your basketball journey. And so for the uninitiated, for the newcomers, um, update for myself, can you kind of share or describe, you know, your basketball journey up to this point? Um, yeah. I think especially with you kind of your, your scouting, your consulting work, you're one of the founders of Airtime Scouting, and that's the field I'm wanting to get into. So I would really love to hear just about your journey. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. So, man, my journey is a crazy one. Like, um, I I'm super grateful to be where I am today, but I also, on the other hand, I'm, I feel like I'm just, I'm still so new to basketball in general, you know, like I've, I've really only been working in it like four or five years. And so, yeah, my journey's pretty crazy. So grew up in a small town in New Zealand. Um, I actually played all sports, soccer, um, basketball, other sports like cricket and rugby which people in the u.s won't be very uh, familiar with um kind of like <laughs> similar to um to you know american football or, or baseball um but in terms of basketball you know we didn't we played it um at middle school um but at high school it's crazy there was just one team at high school unless you were the man you, you couldn't play and I, and I wasn't the man at that, that sport <laughs> um there was no like coaching or there wasn't really a way to get into basketball um so i didn't really play much growing up once i left middle school which was kind of disappointing um i was crazy about sports though you know like the job that i had at the time i was working in like management for kind of like department stores like whole foods and that kind of stuff and mm -hmm. it was a good you know earned some pretty good money and, and did some travel and uh, and it was it was a good career um at the time when i was working I was sort of like third in charge of a pretty big department store in Wellington, which is the capital city where I've always lived. Okay. And um, there were two dudes I worked with at the time, and I actually had lunch with one of them the other day, and he was just like, don't forget how, you know, I was one of the ones who got you into basketball, and I was like, it's kind of true. So at the time, I was I, I was into <laughs> basketball, but I didn't have, like, the bug. You know, I, I wasn't deep in it, like, not even at a family or anything. Uh, I was just like a light fan. Um, and Stephen Adams had just got drafted. And the amazing thing was Stephen Adams used to just, he used to come in and shop at our department stores because his high school was like just down the road from from um, from um, our shop, you know. So Stephen Adams would come in, you know, like 16, 6, 11, 16 year old, um, you know, he would come into the, into the shop and um, he got drafted and then my buddy at the time um he was just super into basketball and i started getting quite a bit more of an interest in the nba um and then i was gonna go going over to the us with my part partner at the time um and we went and stayed in the bay area we were on palo alto and i was like i'm gonna go and watch an nba game um you know by now my fandom was like quite a bit deeper where i was following the nba on a pretty sort of regular basis you know checking in the scores you know started like a twitter account and um so yeah i was in in the us and i thought i'd go along to an nba game and i so i caught the 
um, the train and then the BART from Palo Alto um, into San Francisco and then the BART took us to Oakland. And at the time, that was the old Warriors Stadium. And like for someone from New Zealand, when you don't get to go, like we don't have, like we don't see NBA players, we don't go to huge stadiums or anything like that for basketball. Like when you're on the BART and then it rocks up into Oakland there and you walk through the tunnel and then you walk past like at the time the um the Oakland Raiders were still there you know all those stadiums were sort of collected it was like it was a spiritual experience for me man I can't I can't lie like it was crazy and you walked into the stadium and it was like um I get goosebumps thinking about it now it was it was just it was something else so when I got my seat I had the the cheapest most far away seat that you can imagine but it didn't matter <laughs> like they were playing it was the golden state warriors playing the new orleans pelicans fine and buddy hill was on the pelicans and the place where i was at a lot of the people that were sitting next to me were like season ticket holders like og season ticket holders they all knew everyone that was sitting in the seats next to them um it was cool man it was just like a friendly atmosphere and vibe but they were super passionate and at the time the pelicans had um you know rajon rondo um anthony davis uh, drew, uh, holiday. Was, drew holiday and then That's the warriors team. Yeah. so like man this was like a, these two teams were stacked um, <laughs> and just being in an nba game i was like i was pinching myself and realizing man i i love this game like this game is how did i not have this love before and then Steph Curry broke the NBA record for three pointers made that night. And honestly, like that was the night my life changed forever. I have no, and I still go back and look at the videos from that game. Like, I don't know that there was just something about like being in the arena, the energy of the people being in the U S experiencing it firsthand. I was just, I was hooked, man. I was hooked. That was like something changed in me there. And I was like, how do I get involved in this crazy world of basketball? Um, so I started a blog, you know, like quite quickly after that, um, signed up for a sports journalism diploma back in New Zealand. I traveled back to watch the playoffs the next year. Um, and then I started doing some writing and some blogging work. Um, and I, I applied to be site expert for the uh, Paul and Trailblazers fan site at the time, Rip City Project. And even though it was not like anyone that knows the sort of fan side of stuff, it's like, you know, it it's a good sort of leg up, even though it's not like, um, you know, you're not being paid a bunch of money. But for me, it was like a way to get my foot in the door. Um, the bla You know, I liked the Blazers at the time. And, um, and from there, I was just like, okay, I don't... Like, I don't know how I'm going to get into this game or work on it long term, but th this is a way for me to sort of get my foot in the door. And so I had a cleaning the glass account, had basketball reference, I had synergy, and I just thought, I'm a real numbers guy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do, in my market, in the Blazers market, I'm going to do the best like statistical tweets out there to like grow my name and grow my following. Um, and so I just started tweeting, man. I was just like, I was just tweeting and tweeting and tweeting and tweeting and I was growing a little bit of a following and then some like big accounts started sharing my stuff like Baller's Life, um, NBA Central, um, you know, th things started like popping off of the balls. I was like, this is kind of cool. So I sort of had a little bit of a niche and then I was like, okay, I'm going to need to go specific just on the Blazers. And then some, some of the like role players and bench guys started like liking my stuff and then sharing a little bit. Uh, and then I did a few articles which sort of popped off some a little bit controversial, but like they, you know, they were only controversial in terms of like, you know, they were, I was just trying to talk about the things that people already knew. Maybe they didn't want to talk about. And then I had one tweet. It was the end of Damian Lillard's biggest season. And it was, I knew by then what would pop and what wouldn't. And, um, Dame was only the third player. In NBA history after Michael Jordan and Steph Curry to average 30 points per game and shoot 40% from three. And I was like, if I tweet this, this thing is going to go viral. This is going to go viral. And, That's cool. And I tweeted it and it started popping. 
and then I went away from my phone and I was just working away and I came back and my phone is just like lighting up. It was just going ding, 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 ding. I was like, what's happened? Like, and so, and Damien Lillard had shared, had shared the tweet and I was just like, yo, my phone went, honestly, my phone went off for like three days. Um, and it wasn't like, obviously you don't like get paid or anything like that. But for me, it was like Dame sharing my tweet, you know, quote tweeting my tweet was like, it showed what I was doing. People were listening to people wanted to hear what I had to say. Um, and then from there on out, it was like most of the Blazer players like were sharing my tweets often. You know, CJ McCullum was often sharing my tweets. Dame shared my tweets. Um, and I started to grow a big following. And I was like, if I continue growing this following, I can use this for something else down the road. So did this for about two years. And then at the time, I was like, I want to try and get athletes to the States. I want to try and get athletes from New Zealand and Australia to the States. I want to help kids get on scholarship and I want to help kids get to the NBA. That was like my goal. And I had goals written down. Like I had a podcast and, you know, I was having NBA agents and players and, you know, administrators and, and all sorts of cool people on the pod, which was cool. Um, I was helping out at local events in New Zealand, shout out Hoop Nation. Um, people have employed me since 2020 to help, um, you know, run. Um, some New Zealand's biggest independent like travel events like AAU. And at the end of 2020, I placed my first athlete um, in Division One basketball. Um, and from there, um, I started using Twitter to help promote athletes the way that I did with my NBA stuff. Um, so I would tweet about an athlete and then I would sometimes get DMs from, and like this is me boasting, it was just being like, Twitter works, man. You know, we might not like the way that it's run now, but this thing, mm -hmm. Twitter has given me so much. You know, I wouldn't be where I am today if I don't think it would. Well, it would be, but it would have to have been some sort of other way for me to get here. Yeah, Twitter has given me so much. And like, for example, I was helping an athlete, um, and you know, he, I, I dropped a tweet, and um. An NBA trainer messaged me within 15 minutes being like, I've seen this player playing. Let me help you. And the kid had two power five offers within 24 hours. Like this and and this isn't this isn't me guessing myself up. This is like this is showing the power of Twitter. It's 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 um, you know, it's international reach and and how it was able to help athletes from a tiny little country in New Zealand on the bottom of the world, you know, other side of the world. From there, I started placing more athletes 2020, 2021, 2022. And in 2022, myself and my business partner, Michael Huben, um, shout out Michael, known him since 2019. Um, he he was a dude who'd been doing a lot of this work. And I haven't talked about sports business classrooms, so we can probably come back to that. Um, but Michael was just like, he was just a dog in terms of his work ethic and just always tweeting about kids, promoting kids, helping to place them. Um, and he was doing some scouting work around the Australian NBL. He's from Australia. Um, you know, he'd done interviewing for NBA Australia. So like he's interviewed guys like Dyson Daniels, Josh Giddy, you know, you name Luke Travers, you name any of the big names in Australian basketball at the moment, he's interviewed them. He's done stories on them, you know, in person, lives. He's done, he's done all that kind of stuff. Um, and he has a great scouting eye for like, He's the guy, and he's someone I've learned so much from in terms of the Australian stuff, but also just scouting in general. And we talked about like forming a legitimate scouting business. So we recorded 550 names, uh, 250 men's college players, and 300 uh, high school players uh, in the next four recruiting classes, and then all the kids that were currently at college in the US. And we started building a website, and we had all of these kids profiles um height weight wingspan date of birth film intel like you know we wanted we want to be and we and this is what we're still striving to do is be the australian new zealand draft express and if you were to log into the site now or even someone from the nba i believe the product that we have the intel that we have it's of a very high level it's a flash you know really nice website it's got filters it's got you know, if you were an NBA GM or a college, you know, director of basketball operations or you were a head coach and you're like, I want to recruit a center in the class of 2025, you jump onto the site, you log in and we've created a really professional product. So we got certified 
um, by the NCAA. I got our, our scouting service certified by the NCAA at the start of this year. Uh, we have the only um, NCAA approved scouting service for all of Australia and New Zealand. So that means we're allowed to scout Australia and New Zealand. So, you know, not only are we the first, you know, wow. we're, we're the only one down here doing this thing. Um, and we launched and since then, you know, we've got a bunch of power five schools on bunch of one bunch of division one schools. We're working with agencies. We're working with high schools, prep schools. Um, and since I placed my first athlete at the end of 2020, um, I've now placed 32 athletes and scholarships all around the world. Um, wow. Uh, to around $4 million of financial aid to families. And for me, like, growing up like my mom she was always really big into community service and helping mm -hmm. people you know she was volunteering running like the local athletics or she was helping our sports teams or she was doing like theater performing arts and you know us kids were coming along as well so wow. for me i always wanted to help kids and like you know obviously we have a formalized scouting service but for me i try and help the athletes you know and then be that like can i help connect them with a graphic designer can i help connect them with a photographer can I help them with a strength and conditioning plan or physiotherapist or nutritionist? Like I'm, I'm deep in this cause I believe in the kids. I believe in their character. I believe in who they are. Um, yeah. And so, you know, casting it back to 2019 when I did sports business classroom, um, I didn't talk about that as part of my journey, but I, the things that I learned there and the, you know, the people that I met and like people like, you know, Samson and winter Turner and these sort of people, I'm now out here doing this while my friends that I met at SBC are doing the same. Um, the life-changing experience for a sports business classroom, the in terms of like the scouting analytic stuff that I learned back then, when I when I sat in SBC on day one and we did NBA draft in terms of scouting, I thought then I'd love to do a website that had all the best Australians. And, and, sorry, actually, it just at the time it was just New Zealanders. I'd love to do a website. With New Zealand athletes on it and fast forward four years um, here, you are. here I am on this podcast <laughs> chatting to you and so yeah that's like about sort of you know 10 minutes on on my journey I'm super grateful to be here you know like super super grateful to be here and I love I love this game like I truly love this game um it's a vessel mm -hmm. for social change for helping people I'm a real people person and like I love Sorry. I love this community because of the people that are in it, you know, mm -hmm. and I, and I, not only do I care about the kids, but I care about fostering relationships with good people and believing if I do that, that I'll be successful and I'll better put some money in my pocket. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like four years and a little bit of a, uh, of a nutshell, but I'm super excited to, to be chatting basketball with you here and appreciate you giving the time to talk about, yeah, who I am and where I came from. No, I thank you. I mean, obviously, I know being a buddy of yours, a little bit of your story, but just like the continued progression, you know, and the drive, because I, I've been on some, I've had some, I mean, sports business classroom has been big for me, obviously, and just connections and meeting people, but it has been something on a personal for myself, the drive of like, not seeing the success that you'd want to see, and then maybe kind of fading out and just kind of back and forth. The consistency is something I'm really striving to do. And so hearing your story, hearing the drive and just knowing like, yes, this is something I love. This is something I want to do. And, and trying to use that as constant fuel to keep going. That is the thing I'm trying to work on. And so, I mean, for anyone else listening, like you're hearing from the best of, of just being persistent and continue to go after it. But like, even for myself, someone who's trying to be in the same kind of realm as you, it's, it's just more words of advice to just kind of continue to stay after. Because I have been someone who's like, I've gone for a bit and when I go, it's great. And then get a little discouraged a little bit, fall back. And next thing you know, it's like you're climbing right back up that hill, you know, rolling that snowball up. So definitely has been a little bit of a challenge for me. But hearing this again, it's it's galvanizing. So I do appreciate that. No worries, man. Yeah. And like for me, you know, I've met lots of people who haven't been or even still aren't at when they're successful in their careers. They're not like basketball experts in terms of exactly what you think you should be in that field, you know? Yeah. And people might challenge me and be like, oh, you know, when you're watching that kid, like, tell me what the pick and roll coverage is. And maybe I can't probably can't tell you all that stuff. But what I can tell you is that I'll outwork, I'll outwork everyone else 
in New Zealand and Australia, probably outside of Michael. Michael works super, super hard. But between us, we I'll outwork everyone else down here, you know. I'll have a relationship with all of the families and, and I'll better tell you what they had for breakfast yesterday to that level, you know. Yeah. I'll be able to tell you ex the exact intel on who they are. And maybe I don't have the basketball knowledge at the highest levels in terms of like, um, you know, some of that stuff with like pick and roll with defensive coverages, but I'll better give you the film. I'll better tell you the person to chat to, to understand who they are. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll better tell you who their family is, you know, I'll better connect you with their mum. Like mm. I'll be able to do things at better levels across the board than anyone else out here. And, um, I have confidence cool. in my abilities to, to do this stuff. And so, you know, anyone listening in here, like I'm self-made, like I didn't, I didn't play elite sport. I didn't coach at the highest level or anything like that. I just got here because I worked my ass off and I continue to each day. And so my advice is just like, start where you are. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you, mm. you get discouraged because you're not getting you in anywhere. And it's like, I get it. Like I quit my, you know, um successful six-figure job to work full-time in basketball and there's been weeks where like you know i've been worrying where my next where my next paycheck is going to come from so i can pay rent but it's like you only get one shot at this life it's like if you love yeah. basketball or you, i don't know you might love whatever making <laughs> you know what i mean and you're like wanna, yeah. i want to I wanna start my own ice cream truck or well, it's like the only way you can do it is just to work your ass off and just like outwork other people and what is your thing you know like what how are you going to add value so yeah um, yeah man i'm all for like having these conversations and just figuring out ways that you can live your dreams well i appreciate you man i, I say this yeah. again thank you so much and i mean now listen it sounds like wrapping up but we're now we're really just kind of getting started here but i wanted to <laughs> i wanted to definitely start there but let's take this basketball knowledge we've been talking around it how big it is how important it is to us um so let's kind of apply it now with talk on this current draft class because let me tell you cb i well, let me ask you before i even give my thoughts what are your thoughts on this draft class as a whole yeah. um yeah. i'm curious because i've i've heard things i've done my own independent research and i'm ugh, that's my thoughts <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. i got you so i i haven't been to keep up as much with the with the draft classes um you know recently as i've been really deep on australian new zealand prospects but what i of course what I have seen is that I don't think this draft has, and this is this is always like Twitter discourse can sometimes ruin the the nuance of, of like of the understanding in terms of how this stuff works. And yeah. when I when I I'm gonna set, preface my next com comment with saying like there will always be people that will pop off in drafts that don't currently show as they're having star upside. That that's the way that it will work. And people will get torn down and be like, oh, you said this guy was going to be 12 and now he's a 10-time All-NBA player. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. So for me, I don't think that this class in the top five has the star upside that previous classes ha have had. Mm -hmm. But I think that it will have a bunch of really solid like 10-year starters and some people that do have star upside. But mm -hmm. I don't think that this class has the the significant upside or like, you know rock solid all-star or nba guys that previous drafts have had that doesn't mean that other guys can't um can't pop off but for me when you're evaluating and you and you're looking at potential classes and this is what i do as well obviously is when i'm looking at the 2025 college class from new zealand and australia mm -hmm. i'm evaluating based on who are the guys that have upside now i could tell you that in 2025 just comparing to them to this draft class i can tell you in 2025 from new zealand and australia for example that there are dudes there that maybe they're crazy harder workers and they have upside that potentially to go all the way. Mm -hmm. But when you're comparing it on NBA lens, um, you have to look at who are the guys you look at that are sure things now. And I don't I don't think this class has the significant upside that we've seen in the last couple of NBA draft classes. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um definitely because I mean I look at you know 2022, 2023, there's always some at least key standout guys that either have shown they've had the upside in the NBA, or at least we thought going into the draft that they clearly were. Like Jabari Smith Jr. may not have panned out, and Paolo Bancaro still has room to grow, and all these other things. But like when you went to the draft, like you looked and said, okay, you know what? We could build around these guys. Like 
you know, Jabari, 6'10 dude who shot like no other and had defensive potential. And if he can get a handle, oh my goodness, right? And Apollo, somebody who like, you know, with his ability to score the ball at a high rate, like boom. And then of course, Victor Wimanyama, like, come on now, you know, one of the best prospects and if not the best in the last 20 years, I still hold LeBron, but still like, boom. And then Scoot Henderson, who hasn't played well, but like going into the season, I was like, okay, like the Hornets messed up. And, and speaking of the Hornets, Brandon Miller, who I looked at as like, you know, you're kind of average three and D role player, but he's had some runs. So there was players, basically, like you said, there's players that you could slot into a role of, okay, if we come draft high in the draft, if we have a selection high in the draft, this guy, we could look at and potentially build around. Um, and build around in terms of featuring, like not them being part of the core, which like, yes, that's a thing, but potentially being like the tentpole player with which the core is branched out of. Um, and yeah, I don't see that here. Uh, and mind you, it's still early and all that, but normally there's some flashes. And like you said, there will be players who kind of come back, kind of come out of the woodwork as the season continues. But it is a shocker to go like looking at it right now and be like, mm, okay, interesting. And I guess that kind of to answer the second question I had for you, which is, you know, is this a very weak draft class in terms of potential NBA superstars or does that list go deeper to you? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, when I look at the guys that we've sort of looked at with that top five or six and the names you mentioned prior to the show, there are guys that have that upside. Um, I just think like, you know, maybe they're athletic freaks who haven't seen, you know, they haven't, we haven't seen their advanced sort of skill stuff. You know, they, they haven't showed creation off the dribble or high level passing to show that they're going to be franchise cornerstones or they're amazing defensive guys, um, you know, who could potentially be future defensive players of the year. Um, but does that mean that they're going to be super max or NBA dudes? Maybe mm. not. Um, but you can't tell when someone's going to pop. And if I look at, you know, guys that have popped off in the last 12 months and in terms of the NBA, I have two names come to mind and just random guys like Tyrese Maxey and um, Tyrese Halliburton. Now, both of those guys, the NBA and sport is so fickle where both of those guys, they may have been all NBA level dudes on different teams, but mm. opportunity was the reason that they got the, they got what they got. Now, someone might argue with me and be like, be like nah, Halliburton was going to be this good and or Maxey was going to be this good. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. Maxi is still the player that he is with James Harden's on the team, mm-hmm. but your 16 point per game production is not the same as 24 per. Or, I mean, at the moment he's at 28. Mm-hmm. 24 per game production when you're looking at the way this works. So this thing is fickle, man. And no doubt there's these players that are here and and the in the upcoming draft class that maybe have some of that stuff. But at the end of the day, they've got to be drafted by teams who are going to put them in the best situation to succeed, um, and then be able to go on and have that opportunity to get production to show, hey, you know, first I'm a good starter. Um, I'm a 10-year starter. Um, I'm a defensive player of the year. Then I'm a all-star and then I'm an all-NBA guy. So, yeah, it's it's interesting, man. Yeah. No, absolutely. And it's something I, I definitely want to watch more, obviously, as the draft goes on. And guys who, you know, it, it's a team um, scouting exercise, like a building exercise for myself. Like, okay, what attributes does XYZ player bring that you go, hey, you know, put them in the right situation and see what happens there. But yeah, it definitely is something interesting. Um, and it kind of goes to your own personal philosophy. And speaking of philosophy, uh, there's a common question I ask when I talk about the draft with anyone. But what is your personal philosophy of uh, BPA, best player available, versus team need when it comes to selecting the draft? And how would you apply it to this specific draft class? Which, like, you know, could be different because last year there were a few players where it was like, listen, forget like what we need. That player is who we need, right? We're like, I don't know if there's that player here in this class. Yeah, so I think you should always draft best player available. Mm-hmm. We talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder, for example, when you know they had Harden, um, Durant, um, Westbrook, Serge Ibaka. Now, people might argue and be like, "Well, why would you take Harden when you've got Westbrook there?" It was like, "Well, they're a completely different player," you know. And I think you should always draft the best player available, and then you should figure it out later. And mm. If I looked at, you know, if we looked at some of these other things that we discussed, like Maxi and Halliburton, for example, um, regardless of who of, of who drafted them and if they got traded, mm-hmm. it's you never know when you may need that player to pop off. And this, the Philadelphia 76ers, whether or not you believe that they've achieved their ceiling as a basketball team yet, what you've seen is 
Maxi was ready to go last year, probably. You know, he was ready to go. And then they initiated a trade to give him a better role. Now, at the time when they drafted him, was he the best player available at this spot? He probably was. Mm. Now, um, the Denver Nuggets picked Nikola Jokic with, I think it was like the 41st pick in the, you know, it was in the second yeah, round. Yeah, 40, yeah, yeah, definitely late in the second. 40 yeah, now, he was the best player available when they picked, but they probably picked someone else in the first round. Um, mm-hmm. But he was the best player available when they, when they made when they select, ah. yeah 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 and so i think you should always take best player available because at the end of the day the, the draft rules especially these days with the player power movement it means that there will always be a time when you can make a move when there's one unhappy team and it's a zach levine or it's a james harden mm-hmm. that side will be try and make a move meaning you as an nba team are then able to move in and be like we're going to take advantage of this by bringing this guy in but also we're going to send someone else out always best player available for me because you can work it out later and about to get assets back on a guy if all of a sudden in their third year or like oh this is a really good starter we've got a really good starter rather than taking someone based on fit and you take someone based on fit and the person you were compromising your 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 pick for because you were like i've already got a point guard that point guard might not be who they you think they'll be in three years time so you have mm. to drop Okay, you see, you bring that up reminds me of the Sacramento Kings a couple of years ago drafting. You mentioned Halliburton, and like they made it work. Honestly, like could the two have worked together? It was mixed returns, you know, in that first year, but then Halliburton really took off the second year regardless. But at the same time, like you said, like they liked the point guard they had, they got the best player available, and and in getting that best player, you know, at that selection, they were able to parlay that to a big man who fit perfectly with the point guard that they had to keep. So. I definitely get where you're coming from with that. And I'm, I'm somebody who has vacillated between the two for sure. Cause I'm like, no need to rock the boat. If I have, I don't know, I guess if I'm the Pacers and I have Halliburton, right. Um, and I'm drafting high in the 2023 draft. And I like scoop, uh, you know, maybe I don't take scoop. Maybe I'll take Brandon Miller, but you're right. Like if scoop's the better talent and for this analogy I'm going with, then you should probably do that. And that's something I'm understanding more and more as I talk to people who are more experienced and, you know, draft and evaluation circles in myself. And it's definitely helping to kind of change the way I look at it. So definitely appreciate your insight there. Um, I, you know, let's talk about a few of these players. I kind of put this in terms of how you personally rank these players. Um, and now I see, I said, rank these three and then I gave you five, but um, <laughs> classic Corbin there. But I want to use this time, like, as you rank to kind of talk about them a little bit. Um, these are the bigger name players I've heard a lot in the draft, two of which I'm personally high on. Um, even though, like, I don't look at them as high as, like, you know, clear cut number one, or in the case of one of these players, like top five picks. But I'm just going to run through these names and then you can pick who you want to talk about first. And we can kind of go back and forth on it. Um, but I have Ron Holland, uh, Justin Edwards, Alexander Saar, Matis Buzelis, and Jacoby Walter. Yeah. So I'm going to start with, with Saar because I think um he's the number one guy um okay yeah being able to to be around the growth of the australian nbo and sort of see where these guys are at based on the local intel now obviously that i need to contextualize that with what is the what is the you know the thoughts of the draft experts in the in the uh nba but like i'll i'll evaluate them with my lens because i'm local and i can't and i won't change that you know um Mm -hmm. and the Australian NBA is a legitimate, legitimate league. Um, it's it's a legitimate league in a couple of ways where the coaching is good, elite competition. You know, you've got your really good role players or starters are guys like Denzel Valentine. You know, so you've got someone who, you know, was a first round pick, played, um, you know, probably four hundred games in the NBA, and these are the types of guys that like Asar is going against, and it's amazing because some of these guys will only get you know and not the minutes means they're not a good player but they'll only get 15 to 20 minutes a night sometimes showing how mm-hmm. strong this league is and it's not a development league it's there because these teams win you know big mm-hmm. budgets terms of salary legit coaches who have coached in some of the best leagues in the world in the nba in europe uh and so for Saar, um you know elite physical tools um you know as a as a man defender as a help defender um has shown some sort of sensational stuff and i think though this is why the draft is a little bit weaker um, up top in previous years is that um this guy is a phenomenal is gonna is phenomenal and is gonna be a good nba player 
mm-hmm. but offensively, um, as a guy that's that's seven foot, like he's shown a bit of perimeter stuff, but he hasn't he hasn't really shown inside that he's going to be absolutely dominant in terms of like you know, not that people run post ups now, but like that he that he hasn't really shown the inside game or you know, absolutely killing people as a pick and roll threat. Mm-hmm. Um, showed a little bit with his shot, but I think needs to work a little bit on 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 improving his perimeter game, even though he's shown more perimeter stuff than inside. Okay. But I think he's, um, he has good upside. I think he's the he's the number one guy, based on he's going to be a sure thing as as compared to what the other sure things are out there. So I have him. I have him first. Okay, I definitely yeah. l- like the way you described him. Do you have any um, concerns more about his offensive game? Um, I mean, yeah, he's kind of unrefined. Yeah. So his jumper, his jumper isn't. I don't know. It's not bad, but it's it's like I don't I don't think at the moment you look at him and say that he's going to be a plus shooter, meaning that you have to guard him in in, in certain ways. Um, yeah. So, but but because of the way that he moves and his le- sorry, in terms of his leaping ability and and mm-hmm. you know, jumping ability and how long he is, I think that you um, could say that he's got some upside there and inside. But I do have slight con- concerns. Um, I don't, I don't have I'm not sure about his offensive game in terms of like you know can he make any more than stationary reads um, in terms of with the ball in his hands so I'm I do have slight concerns about his his offensive game um, mm-hmm. so you know is he does he does he end up just being a really good starting five um, you know in the league who'll shoot 32 percent from from three and like his you know, and like his fourth year after having some development, do have some slight concerns about his offense. Yeah, I'm. I get you. He's, that's that's kind of where I'm at on you with that. Yeah, yeah, like just about the shot. I mean, I don't expect him to be like a playthrough guy, but you definitely don't want to be a liability there. And if he's somebody who like, you know, uses size well, if he can just be like an adequate shooter, then I feel a lot better about it. Um, but I do want someone there who like, I don't know. I guess I definitely know my own player evaluation. I skew more like, okay, defensively, you bring great things to the table. We have good hands, good rebounding, but I'm definitely higher on, okay, offensively, what do you contribute, especially for, like, a number one pick, you know? Yeah, 100%. So next I'm I've sure. got I've got Edwards, um, Justin Edwards. Um, High on him myself. Yeah, it's, it's uh, hard with some so guys when, when you look at the tools that they have and you're trying to project, um, yes. you know, like, seems to be like a real solid overall player um you know teams want really big dudes like him that can potentially play on the wing mm-hmm. um has some you know has some some shooting range um can attack the rim you know has base level skill set across the board that you would say would translate to him potentially being a really good starter mm-hmm. um you know pretty solid defensively um looks looks like he's going to be a good three and D role player with some high offensive upside. But for me, having not watched massive amounts of these types of dudes, um, I look at that guy as, as someone who could be a solid starter in the league. Um, but I, but I'm not able to, to say with any confidence as I reel off this list of players, you know, that, that yes, you know, if you, if you, you could do this with 2019 draft class or 21 draft class or this draft class, these guys have, some of these guys have star upside, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't I wouldn't be betting my house on it in terms of any of these top five or six guys we're gonna mention. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I'm real quick on Edwards. I'm with you. He's uh unreasonably high on my current board, just given the way he's played so far. I mean, mind you, college is barely two weeks old, but it's not been great. At the same time, you look at the tools, I look at a good shooter, I look at good positional size, like projectability on defense, and it's hard not to right now, especially in a class where, like you said, it's not like there's guys you can immediately put there and go, they're better hands down. So yeah, it's definitely gonna be tricky there. But I like I like Edwards at two on your list. Um, but who's number three? Yeah, so I've got I've got Ron Holland number three. Um I like that too. Yeah. So I love the G League Ignite concept, but I saw a scorecard the other day where they got I think they got rolled by like fifty. Now Yes, they've been getting the killed. Concept itself is great, but mm-hmm. I think any time that you know, it could be college. It could be D one coaches look at like looking at the competition in New Zealand and being like, "Well, how do I contextualize this?" 
NBA teams will contextualize the competition that G League and I have played against and then how good they've been on their own in terms of they get rolled by someone or they roll other teams. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Holland seems really interesting. Um, you know, has, he's very, very young. I've looked at my research. He's very, very young. Doesn't turn 19 until after the draft. Um, pretty strong athlete. Um, but, you know, how good does... At, when you're looking at a guy that's 6'6", six, six, you know, you're going to have to shoot it really, really well to be able to be uh, a good, a really good NBA player. Um, hasn't showed advanced skill yet to to be able to prompt uh, any of that star upside yet. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously has the physical tools to be there, but when you look at guys that will, that will pop off and become, you know, future cornerstones or all-stars or NBA players, at his size, um, you're going to have to add either really good defense or extra playmaking, um, not extra playmaking, playmaking at higher levels to be able to be to take that bump. Um, yeah. And the research I did you know, for this pod didn't show that um, that he sort of has that yet. I agree. I agree. Like you said, at this point, I'm looking at him more like at 6'8", a possibly tremendous wing defender. I like his uh, first step. I like his drive. I feel he has some burst. And his three ball looks okay i mean the numbers don't really look great but yeah he's somebody that i think would play well off of someone else definitely not someone you profile as like a go-to score off the top but i'm with you just like edwards another guy who like in theory we've seen this archetype player succeed um and so you're hoping that that is something else that happens with these guys but like off of just the body of work they put together at least in college or in holland's case the g league ignite um the returns haven't been spectacular but yeah, yeah let's go on to your next one from there yeah so um and i'm my pronunciation isn't always great. Martas Bazelis um, yeah. is my next guy I've got at number four. Um, so, you know, when you're looking at, at for me, when you're looking to draft guys and um, at the end of the day, the, the draft will always be a crapshoot. You want to try and take the player who you think is the best prospect available. Um, and looking at my research, I'm like, okay, this guy's a good athlete at 16 who can knock down shots from the perimeter um that's super super interesting you know anytime someone can do that now um you know is there a chance he doesn't pan out yeah there's a chance he doesn't pan out but there's there's a chance that you know the number one pick in a lot of years doesn't pan out i mean Wimbam yama obviously there's a dude who you know he was he was gonna pan out but when you're looking off in the NBA draft, it's a crapshoot. So I think of a guy here that's 6'10", um, you know, can shoot it, um, good athlete. Seemed like he had some um, some negative sort of press around how he went playing against the NBL teams, the Australian NBL teams at the start of the year. And obviously that's high-level competition against men. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, he's a guy that, that I would have that I would have ranked next, but would ultimately need to see, is he able to do a little bit more off the dribble? Um, you know, who's he? who does he guard? Um, if I look at like a D- Davis Bertans, and I don't, don't want to compare the dude to him, mm-hmm. you know, just because he's a white shooter. Um, sorry, just because he's a European <laughs> shooter. Sneaky um, athleticism too. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, like, you know, more athletic, but yeah, who you guard will obviously, you know, influence where you where you sit in terms of matchups and mm-hmm. if someone is only able to guard the five and then you know they get buried on matchups and end up being a tweener then obviously that changes now i haven't watched enough to him to know who he's going to guard um but i think those concerns will always be there for someone like that and then if they if they are unable to then they become you know a six or eight year dude who you know takes five shots a game um as a shooter and becomes like a Davis Bertans type which hey the guy's made a lot of money in his career you know mm-hmm. relatively successful NBA career but in terms of what a, a team is looking for when they're like okay can we get a good role player um who we can have on the team for six or eight years or you know or four or five and we trade them elsewhere and we get good assets back then you're probably looking for someone that that would the top five pick um someone that could potentially do this for longer and I have some questions about him, but he has, I would still take him if I was an NBA GM based on that upside. No, I definitely like the way you broke that down. Even the way you said, like, okay, who is he guarding? How does his, his projection in the league, right? At the end of the day, 
offensively, I think, you know, 6'9". He attacks downhill pretty fluidly from what I've seen. He seems to be able to, you know, shoot the three ball pretty well. Um, so I definitely like that. At worst case scenario, you know, maybe you connect the passer, additional ball handling guy. Um, and the defensive, like you said, is something something to look at, especially since I think he can be passive. And I'm still doing my own draft, you know, not only the process, but just my own drafting. And it's just started. But he's someone I'm definitely curious about. Um, but, yeah, after Matis, uh, what's next on the list? Yeah, so now I've actually made a little change here. And oh. I've, you wanted to chat about um, – Jacoby, um, and I've actually switched Jacoby out, and I've put Tyrese Proctor this <laughs> from Duke. Um, so <laughs> I love it. I didn't know as much about Jacoby, and, and um, actually knew, knew next to nothing about him. So Tyrese Proctor is someone that I've known about um, for a while. Yeah. Shout out Michael Huben. Michael's been picking these Australians, you know, since they were fifteen or sixteen, and uh, and Proctor um, at Duke. Talking about a, a guy who has the on-ball creation skills, the IQ, you know, um, potential ACC, you know, oh, sorry, it was ACC or freshman pick. Um, and it's just a dude that um, be a two-way point guard um, and will be able to operate, um, you know, as a guy that can make reads uh, out, of, out of full screens and that sort of stuff. And, and if I think about what I want my point guard to do, um, if I'm drafting a team, or if I, even if I'm an, even if I'm a head coach of a college basketball team, I want someone who can guard multiple positions, who can make good reads and ball screens, um, and who can shoot the three at a league average level, be that NBA or college college three. And mm -hmm. if I look at if I look at Proctor, um, if he already has that baseline, and you don't have any questions, well, here's someone who could potentially be a solid six to ten year starter now like i don't want to i don't like just projecting that that's not the way that i work in terms of how i evaluate but if mm -hmm. if you look at a guy like proctor and he and he covers your baseline in terms of doing that stuff then if anything else happens on top of that then you're starting to, to work your way up and be like okay cool good starter max player etc etc um obviously he reclassified you know um but he yeah, has showed a bit more of his shooting. Um, you know, maybe maybe able to shoot it off the dribble. Um, I, I really like, I really like Proctor and think he will be a top ten pick. But it's also a crapshoot in terms of does a guy go five or does he go eleven? Uh, I don't actually think that matters for him. But you know, he's a stud, and I think he, I think he can have a good NBA career. I'm glad you brought up Proctor not only for your background that you have on on a player like him and just some of your own, again, experience to bear on there, but also a guy who, you know, has been talking about. I thought he had a really good run um, last season, especially toward the end of the season, particularly with the shooting. And you kind of talking about, you know, some development he's had and also how long he's been watched, you know, from your side is really, really cool. So, no, definitely glad that we talked about Tyrese Proctor as well. Um, and I think it's a good club, at least for these five players to start with. And I'm sure the rest of our board will, you know, come and take form as we continue on. But definitely a nice little primer of those five. Um, and so with that, I guess I lean kind of more again to players you've looked at. Are there any players that, I don't know, they're not overrated per se, but maybe you've heard their name a lot more than you're like, than you personally have them. That's probably a better way of saying that. Yeah, well, I didn't know anything about Jacoby Walter and I saw him on some draft boards um, at 10. Mm -hmm. So I've got to chat about him because he was on your list. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he seems to have a well-rounded skill set, um, but I don't know... Um, you know, he was he was on a good high school team last year, but I'm just not sure, you know, what his what his upside is in terms of, you know, is he more of a solid guy similar to, um, similar to Proctor? Um, don't know as much about him. Doesn't seem like an amazing athlete, but that's a guy who I'm not as sure on. Um, but some of that also could be um, because I haven't seen him a lot. No, and that, and that makes that makes sense. I get it. it's one of those things. Like you said, we continue to like learn more. But he's somebody I, I've. Again, same thing. When I put him on the list, I've looked at him a little bit in terms of draft boards, but also I'm like, not really on my radar, you know? So, you know, always time for that to shine. Um, on the alternative side of that, are there any players that you haven't heard a lot about that you're like, hmm, that's interesting. I kind of, you know, think that they're something of a sleeper. They're not getting enough shine. Yes. So um, I will bring up a sleeper who's another Australian, actually. So okay. Alex Tui. Um. Mm was a was a gonzaga commit um 
and decommitted to go and play for the Sydney Kings in the Australian NBL. Now, he was the number one prospect uh, on our list last year in terms of New Zealand and Australia. And the thing that you'll find as we talk more and more about these Australian New Zealanders is they know how to play the game. And mm. it sounds ridiculous for me to say hey, that's an underrated ability, but like you got to know how to play basketball, man. It, you know, you can yeah, be 16 you want. in the gym, but uh -huh. if you can't play, you know, you don't understand how to play the game, then you're going to struggle with that next tier. Um, Tui's actually been mocked on some boards at the back of the first round. Um, and, I, you know, I see a guy there that um, moves super well athletically, um, you know, has legitimate production on the Sydney Kings who have won the NBL title in recent years. Um, playing against these type of guys, the stars of the world, Denzel Valentine, you know, you've got people who have played legitimate minutes in the in the NBA, not just like three games, you know, hundreds of NBA games or you know, they've been an NBA team for a season um, and, you know, he's gone pro right away um, and averaging 10 and 5, which is super impressive for a high-level um, league. He's obviously, you know, was selected as a um, as a next star, meaning that he's one of the top six or eight dudes that have been picked from the entire world to be a next star and just one wow. of a, just a few locals. Um, very very high IQ, nice jump shot, um, showing that he's able to defend guys on switches, and he just seems to make the right play defensively, meaning you look at a guy like that and you're like, okay, cool, so he can shoot it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he's... he's Sorry, I think I've said before 16, 6'8", 6'9", um, super high IQ, can defend multiple positions, um, and seems like he may be able to shoot it better than what some other, some people thought just when I was researching this morning. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden you've got a, like a type of a Swiss army knife player that if, if other stuff, um, you know, develops, then potentially you're talking about um, a guy that could be a, a really interesting role player for in the NBA, maybe for a number of years. The Australian guys will often, and, and, and New Zealand hasn't, New Zealand's only have a few NBA players. We will have more in the future, but Australian guys have often come in and they've been able to play. You know, look at Josh Green, Josh Giddy, Dyson Daniels coming in and you know being high level role players or potentially like a Giddy, you know, future All Star and, and you know ten year player and league max player. They've shown the ability to be able to play at the highest levels and make the smart decisions. You know, be a lockdown defender. Um, Tui, I think, is a guy that's probably going to surprise some people mm -hmm. and that he's already getting, you know, draft looks, you know, jumping on boards uh, after just, you know, part of a season in the NBL. I think he's really, really interesting. So that's Tui, T-O-O-H-E-Y. I like that. And I've heard of him a little bit um, in some of my initial kind of draft readings, but definitely, what what do you see, I guess, as um, like an ideal, and it's early, but an ideal kind of team fit? And you know what they say, a specific team if you don't want to, but even like an archetype of a team. Yeah, yeah we can flourish back. Yeah, so if I look at teams like Detroit Pistons or, you know, teams that have <laughs> been in rebuild for a while, I, I think that they need to solidify what they're trying to do by, you know, and I, I'm not saying the two is a sure thing, but mm -hmm. I think teams like that should be looking to draft guys um, that can come in and play a role at very high levels. Um, mm -hmm. And continuing to pick on-ball creators that, you know, and like a lot of the on-ball creators in this Pistons are going to work out. It's not that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you're like, oh, I've got the, you know, I don't, and I don't know what picks that they have, but, you know, if I've got the 27th pick in the draft and this mm -hmm. is a guy I'm going to go and jump in and take, well, um, hey, here's, here's, here's a guy that potentially can come in and, and, and provide you with something to give you more starch defensively. Um, and you know can can spot up and hit those knockdown, those you know those sort of threes from the corner. So teams like that could probably use a guy like that. But then also, um, I don't know. He seems like the kind of guy that could be quite versatile. So you know that could apply to teams in other situations as well. Okay, I definitely like that for sure. Um, and thank you for answering. That's something I'm always curious about with players. I'm learning about more. Like, okay, how can I visualize them on the team? But kind of have better saying of them um, as a player. Um, I am a single player. 
uh, that you talked about giving your experience that I think you you'd be a little bit of an expert on. Um, in fact, I have read his name a few times since we talked. Um, but I am not going to be the one to butcher the name here since I'm also iffy pronunciations. I'm, I'm gonna let you um introduce the name, but also can you tell me more about him and his game? Um, and please yeah. let me know how to say it. And for those listeners who uh will probably be hearing a lot more about this one. Yeah. So Julius Halifanua. Um, okay. That's close. Special, you know, special player from New Zealand. Um, mm-hmm. New Zealand has had four NBA players in the past, uh, and Stephen Adams um, was the only guy. Stephen Adams and then Sean Marks were the two mm-hmm. that stuck. Um, obviously, Stephen Adams, you know, ten-year center, one of the best role-playing players, and one of the best centers in the league. Julius Alifanua uh, is a seven-foot center who's in the class of 2025 from New Zealand. Um, Known about him for a little while, and you know, the first thing that sticks out is if you were to watch his film, is his fluidity, his skill, and touch at his size. This is a huge body. This guy is huge, super strong, and that strong that strength is natural. Um, and last year was actually his first full serious year of basketball, even though he'd been playing, you know, since he was younger, last year was his first full year. And I actually saw him in the FIBA Asia cup and then the FIBA world cup play for New Zealand and shows a beautiful jumper, um, you know, already starting to show at that age, seven foot, you know, um, catching the ball in the mid post, rip through, um, you know, drop step, um, finishing on the other side of the rim, like, body wasn't really sort of developed or worked on at that point but he'd only just turned 16 so we'll, you know we'll give him that yeah. um get selected as only the second new zealander ever after ben gold who's who's ended up at marquette um and who played 10 minutes a game last year on you know the team that won their conference title julius is the only only the second new zealander selected for the nba global academy um and he was there with guys like tui that we just spoke about um, previous people to come out of the NBA Global Academy were Dyson Daniels and jo- Josh Giddy, both first-round picks, you know, both wow. top 50 guys. Julius's character, super hard worker, you know, super... And I'm always really high on the character of kids because ultimately that will decide how far they go. That's true. But for his size, is super, super skilled. This year, um, for me, was when I saw him play against Australia. Often New Zealand plays against Australia and FIBA play and we get rolled. Uh, when I say we, you know, I'm not a fan anymore. You know, anymore, I work in this game, but obviously, when I see these kids coming up from New Zealand, I still want them to beat Australia because Australia is like our natural rival. Of course, Julius had something like 30 and 10 in that game, and he was the best player on the court. And you know, he would post up, you know, baseline fadeaway or you know, shooting threes beautifully. You know, shooting eight of 11 or eight of 10 from the line and showing, you know, that, that legitimate free throw shooting percentage. Mm-hmm. Here is a guy that potentially could be a plus shooter, a seven foot tall, uh, moves incredibly well in the open court. He's not like a freak athlete or anything like that, but his fluidity and his ability, if if he gets caught on a switch to be able to guard other guys, as well as having that elite strength down low to guard the biggest threats. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be New Zealand's next NBA player. Um, you know, I don't, I've tried to work on the way that I come across in terms of social media and podcasts and not just exclaiming stuff, but I think this is going to be New Zealand's next NBA player. Um, he already has interest from, you know, a bunch of really big high major programs. Um, mm-hmm. And the beauty of it is because these kids from New Zealand, Australia, no one really knows about them. Um, I'm really excited to see when he pops off in a year or two that we can come back to this conversation. Not that it's about me being right, more yeah. that, I'm just happy for for New Zealand to be having some of these prospects that are at this level. So Julius is going to be special, going to be a great two-way player. um, And yeah, I think he's going to play in the NBA. No, I love it. And as a friend of yours, I'm I'm happy to say I want you to be right too. So like both, it's like, yes, for the player to pop off, great. But also like to be, especially, again, it's one of those things where in the draft space, it's so fickle, right? Like, and it's very, like, I love Twitter um, because of the conversations you can have, but we all know they can get toxic real quick on some of that. But what I love especially is having people like yourself or people, you know, saying, hey, keep an eye out for this guy. Like, this guy, this guy could be something in a year or two. And then 
that person becomes something you're to. Like, that's what I love because it's it's like a fruition of the scouting process and your faith and belief in the player um, that you go to bat for because you have seen their work firsthand. And I, I just think there's something really, really cool about that. So, no, I de- I'm definitely going to talk to you more about that behind the show here. But I wanted to hear I wanted to hear firsthand about him because seeing some of the footage, like you said, it, the fluidity in his body, you know, and like you said, not overly like crazy athletic, but just knowing how to move his body. There's something to be said for that. You have those gangly folks who all, no disrespect to them. They just don't know where they're going. They're kind of clumsy or whatever the case may be. But one thing that got me, his touch, like, like you said, from three, from the, like, ooh, even around the basket, like the way he's able to, okay, incorporate some contact, adjust the touch on the shot as he goes for a hook or a fade or like, I really like his potential as a really good shooting big man. Yeah. 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 He's a special man. And like, as you say, like these high character kids seeing them succeed and, you know, be be able to be a role model for the next kids that are coming through for New Zealand. And he comes from a small family from Auckland. And, um, and yeah, it's super exciting for New Zealand basketball to see guys like that coming through. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Stevie, I got to say thank you for sharing a little bit about him. Um, thank you for just talking drafts with me in general. This has been a fun conversation. I heard your story, all of that. I have one last question for you. Um, and I every year I try to ask new guests a different question. I think last year it was like, who is your top five? Are you going to build a top five of like your favorite players? Not necessarily your best players, but your favorite. This year I'm taking it to the court. You know, like you play basketball, you're on the court. Um, and I want to know what your go-to move on the pickup court is. Because for me, you know, I have a, a little, I have a Sean Marion shot. And I'm, I'm not afraid to to admit that. It goes down. Ball going hoop. That's all I care about. But I, got a good, <laughs> I got a good step back going to my left. And if you overplay that, I have a smooth spin move going to my right. Those are my go-to okay. moves, and I need to know yours, CP. I need to know. Okay, so um, I have a particular role in basketball. So, like, I'm only, like, I'm just a little bit over six foot, so not tall by any means, but um, I got quite a decent wingspan for my size. Um, and um, I just play. It doesn't matter if the, if I'm matching up, like, against a six, seven dude and pick up. I'm not a great basketball player, but I mm-hmm. – so I don't really, like, shoot it or anything. I've got a little bit of a floater. Um, and okay. I just play super hard. Um, I'm just like a just a madman running up and down and, and hitting the board. So for oh. me, um, there's two things I love is that um, I've worked really hard on my game to be able to like, you know, sort of screen and then roll and then have a bit of a finish. But mm-hmm. um, you know, because I I just like to play big at at my six foot, you know, um, 180 990 pounds or whatever <laughs> it is. Um, uh-huh. I do like to to fake a handoff and um and then run to the basket like a crazy person with a loose handle and then get fouled or potentially finish so a I fake it. handoff or you know the feeling when you get a nice contact on the screen mm. and then you get hit with a nice pass on the roll like that that's probably like that's like the ultimate feeling like how often i finish those you're gonna have to come and watch me and be absolutely disgusted by my um <laughs> my movement <laughs> um but i love it man i love it i i still love playing pickup and and i think the beauty is that no matter you know if you're a 50 year old dude playing you know playing soccer or whatever you know to myself like i'm 36 and you can still learn and you can still grow in this game and so like for me i've actually really enjoyed playing lots of pickup and trying to work on my game and you know trying to learn more and um yeah man so I'd say that, you know, a little bit of a cheeky pick and roll or faking a handoff and um, somehow beating a quicker guy to the rim are probably my two go-tos. I love that. I love that. We know next time we meet up in Vegas or something, I need to see it firsthand for sure because um, that is a blast. And also, I need to redeem myself. Last time in Vegas, we played at the Tarkanian courts. We had like a run from like midnight till two in the morning, like in between summer league games. And let me tell you, I was not ready for that heat. I was ah. I was so tired. I didn't even attempt a shot. Um, like it was a, it was a funny, funny time. But yeah, that'll have to happen, Steve. I appreciate it. The fake give and go. I like it. That's 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 what I need to put in my toolkit for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but listen, uh, my friend, thank you again for coming on and giving me some time here tonight. Um, can you tell the good folks where they can find you and your work? You already explained like what you're doing, but just to see more of it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, time scouting um is our platform on on twitter and on instagram um you know like the go-to place to to find out about prospects from australia and new zealand at the moment we are just doing men's um you know 
we're finding ways to to you know to continue growing what we're doing so we're able to work in the women's space but you know mm. we're we're, pro we're just working on the men's at the moment um but ear time scouting is where you can find us on twitter and instagram and then you can find me at stevie cousins on instagram and twitter and um super appreciative of um you know of you bringing me on um corbin and just like it's you know it's a really exciting sort of space to be in and um, yeah, I'm really excited to see where you go and, and to know how we can keep, you know, fostering our relationship as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, be, be prepared for me to pick your brain a lot more here moving forward, Stevie. But thank you. Seriously, thank you for your time and your insight. And our friends have been just giving, you know, a, a good conversation about life and basketball, which is the two biggest things here. So um, definitely you. make sure to check out, of course, of course. And thank you again. And Check out Stevie, y'all, uh, at Stevie Cousins, S-T-E-V-I-E-C-O-Z-E-N-S. Uh, again, I have that in the description, but on X, Twitter, whatever, Instagram, all of that, make sure to follow him and his work. You can follow me on Twitter, at CorbinNBA, C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. Also on Instagram, even though I'm kind of trash at Instagram, but I appreciate it, and he looks my way there. So thank you for that. But listen, this has been another great episode of the Rumble Rumble Podcast, and for Stevie, for myself, we are Frosty, y'all say Frosty, and we'll talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all.